Do you think the Irish government would benefit from having you as the man helping to bridge the gap and find a solution? They'd probably say, God forbid. (laughs) (laughs) That was, of course, former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern in London today uh, answering questions before the Brexit Westminster Committee um, dealing with the likes of Rhys Mogg and Sammy Wilson, the DUP, the hardcore Brexiteers. Welcome to the programme, Bertie. I was watching excerpts of it. You you, you were at your most diplomatic, charming best. Uh, did you find you had to bite your tongue a lot? A few times, Ivan, I have to confess. Um, I think some of the questions were, were good, some of them were straight, but I think some of them just show a, a lack of understanding of of, of where we're at on, on this island, and and not 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 just the republic, but I think north and south. And um, but anyway, I mean, the good thing from my point of view, I've been dealing, as you know, with the Brexit subject for the past two and a half years, and it was good to be able to to face. Um, it's a bit risky, but to be able to face all the Brexiteers on their own ground, and and be able to answer those questions and put. The point of view that I, that I believe is is very important because otherwise, you know, we just continue on with all these. What was your central message? It, well, I think there were a number. One, one setting out uh, that things do change. Uh, that one, once the United Kingdom go out of the European Union, uh, that all of the the tax policies, the tariff policies, the quota policies, the um, uh, goods of origins policies, these change. It's not like it always was. And therefore, the frictionless border that we have, um, if we didn't have uh, some control, which is the backstop, and then, then we'd have, we, we would have a border. And I, I think they got that. I think I went through that in detail with them. The other issue, which was, I think, very, very important, um, is the agreement that Tony Blair and I signed, which wasn't... The, the big document of the Good Friday Agreement it was the small intergovernmental um, one, which has stressed the parity of esteem. And what that basically, not to go through it all, but what it basically said that we were changing our constitution, they were changing their legislation, and it meant that no longer was Northern Ireland the same, as I said today, Finchley, you know, that it, it, is, it, it is different, so Northern Ireland has to be treated different. And that is a point, and I said it straight to them today, that um, it, it really upsets me that they, they keep missing that point, that they continue to say, oh, Northern Ireland, we have to keep Northern Ireland as part of the UK. That, that changed um, in that article, and particularly Article 1.5 uh, of the short document that we did. And there's been a bit of speculation in relation to the backstop that what's emerging or going to emerge at the last minute is a piece of paper from Brussels that will say, OK, this is a legally binding protocol attached to the withdrawal agreement, which would say that at certain point in time, the backstop can be reviewed. And if there's a dispute about that in relation to timing and unilateral uh, stuff, an arbitration panel will look at it. In other words, that class fudge. Do you think that's what may be in Theresa May's head? Well, I, I think it is. I mean, I, she, she follows the policy, which I hate the word, but anyway, since everyone uses it, uh, kicking the can down the road, and, you know, she has been doing this for a long time. And I think she believes that 
uh, as you get close to the wire, that people will get the jitters, maybe maybe they will, uh, and that they will agree to something uh, less than what they're looking for. And that uh, I think precisely what she'd like to see is that uh, a, a large group of uh, Labour um, members, Labour MPs, who are from um, Brexiteer constituencies, would shift to her position if she got something that was legally binding. I think they're moving away from the fact that they're going to get that into withdrawal agreement and they are looking maybe into the future relationship that there's some sense that in the future relationship they can get something that's legally binding. I think that's where she's at. The difficulty, as, as, uh, and I think this is the key point I learned in, in meetings last night and, and talking to them this morning, apart from the, the 90 minutes of, of the questions, that they're having great difficulty finding a legal mechanism that stops what's presently there. And what's presently there is the legal basis that on the 29th of March they're out. And so they, they, they're drifting 29th of March and they can't find an alternative to get them off that. And that is proving um, really parliamentary difficulty. You know the way you can't just bring in legislation to supersede another legislation. Well, their rules are even tighter than, than ours. Um, and they are stuck with this 29th of March unless they can get something substantive and that's legally based from Europe. And, you know, there's an if about that. I wouldn't say it's not going to happen. But well, so from, your, from your whole 24-hour experience then, are you more optimistic that some fudge on whatever will get us into the transition period and get us a withdrawal agreement, which can, you know, kick the can down to the political declaration by a lengthy transition period where the status quo would remain. Like, are you more confident or less confident that we'll get to that position? Less confident, uh, definitely, because um, there's a divergence of of views that still um, seems to me very broad. And uh, I, I, I did get a, an opportunity of, of, of briefly talking to the Brexiteer Secretary last night. And um, I think they're hoping for something from Brussels rather than hoping something that they can create themselves. And, and that's what would worry me, because as I've been saying, you know, when you're on the slippery slope, it's hard to stop. Now, in relation to Northern Ireland, you had this to say. What does frustrate me and others is that there is a view that Northern Ireland is so um, is still um, intricately linked to the UK uh, in a way that ignores the Good Friday Agreement, and that's the bit that really upsets us because it's not. I mean, the parity esteem and the constitutional clauses that I said to you the question are absolutely paramount to this. If that wasn't the case, you could say um, that you know it, it was it was a different position. But it, it, it's not that position. I mean, Northern Ireland is not the same um, as any other part of the UK. It's just not. Now, you went on to say something that I, I struggle with, Bertie, which is you said the Brexit vote in 2016 was the reason why Northern Ireland institutions created by the Good Friday Agreement remain suspended after more than two years. I put it to you. It's the intransigence of Sinn Féin and the DUP with their hardline positions over language, legacy and everything else. Uh, and, 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 of course, Brexit has been a polarising force. Of course, a border poll would make things worse. But the responsibility of, of Sinn Féin in particular and the DUP to have to take their ministries, to take the MLA positions, shouldn't, they shouldn't be let off the hook on Brexit. 
No, I, I agree with you totally. I, I didn't say that. I'm, right. But I said it, it wasn't the fault of the UK. No, what you've, you've said is totally right. What I said was the UK cannot be blamed uh, for the institutions coming down. The, the, the institutions came down over a heating system. God forgive us all, but... Um, uh, the, uh, I, I made the point strongly today that if the institutions were there for the last two years, that we would have been in a far better way uh, being able to, to deal with what this crisis has been about. Because within Northern Ireland, it could have been dealt with by the executive uh, and by the assembly. In the north-south basis, which is what's really threatened by Brexit, uh, it would have been dealt with. And by the east-west, it would have been a far better relationship between the two All governments. Right. Final question I want to put to you is, just say we get over the backstop hiatus someone fudges or blinks and just say the backstop stays in the withdrawal agreement if Theresa May does nothing on the customs union does nothing on the single market we're goosed on an east to west basis because the border is the Irish Sea which cuts us off from the single market did you make that point too? Yes, yes and and you see, we, we went through the, the, you know, the ports issue today as, as well. Like, even if the backstop was never in the equation, uh, the effects of Brexit to, to us and to the economy uh, is still immense. Not as bad as a no-deal, um, which the central bank has said to be 4% of GDP, but it still creates enormous difficulties for us. And I think, you know, in the future relationship, whatever goes on for the next few years, it will be imperative that the Irish government and Irish officials continue um, to make sure that, that we get a trade deal, that we can be as close to the UK as possible, that we can uh, continue as harmonious a relationship as we can on business as we properly can. Otherwise, it would create, particularly for indigenous companies, particularly for agri-indigenous uh, companies, it would create huge difficulties. And I went through some of those figures today. I think that's what would worry me most because you, you know I've never Ross Lair or, or, or in anywhere in England perishable goods our foodstuffs are going over, they're getting onto supermarket shelves. All these things will be subject to, to new bureaucracy, new delays, and it, it would do an awful lot of damage to us. All right. Well, let's hope the uh, Brexiteers were listening. Finally, you've heard the news that Declan Rice uh, has opted for England. The dubs are losing, uh, what is it, two matches now in a row. You're going to have to support not the boys in green, not the uh, Man United, who are also crashing out of, of Europe. Uh, you're going to have to support the rugby boys. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to support them, but I must say I'm very sad about Declan Rice. He played for us underage, and um, he played it right through. And um, I wish him well, but I must I must say I'm upset. I, I did did hope uh, he would be an anchor person for us over the next few years, but there must be a fellow out there somewhere, maybe in Wexford, that'll take up that spot and continue on. All right. Uh, Bertie Hearn, former Taoiseach, telling us how he got on with Rhys Mogg and the rest of them in Westminster. Thank you for joining us. 